Want to start your own podcast? Anchor makes it super easy. Here's what you need to know about Anchor. Most importantly, it's free. Second, there are tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor distributes your podcast to numerous platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a quality podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or visit anchor.fm to get started. Eugenia Quete has been a force in the shea butter industry since 2000. She founded Nasa Clay Limited to help her mother and empower impoverished women in Northern Ghana and equip them economically. With 700 sustainably paid shea nut pickers in her supply chain, guidance from USAID, the US Agency for International Development, and critical funding from USADF, the US African Development Foundation, she grew Nasa Clay Limited from 100 pounds of shea produced a year to over a hundred plus tons a year, serving as an example of U.S. Ghanaian trade and opening up pathways to prosperity for women producers in her supply chain. The breadth of her almost 20-year experience in the shea nut industry includes becoming the first president of the Global Shea Alliance, as well as serving as the only female on a 17-member committee on the president of Ghana's National Steering Committee for the Shea Industry. She has also consulted, trained, and mentored individual women entrepreneurs, groups, NGOs, and governments in Shea producer countries in West Africa. Eugenia is currently working with her daughter, Nasa Clay, for whom the company was named, on building and branding Eugenia Shea and Mother Shea, two finished product lines of intense moisturizers using shea butter as the primary raw material. The products in the company have been featured in many magazines, including Fast Company, and most recently in Vogue magazine. Welcome the amazing Eugenia Aquete. Hello, everybody. Hey, Lydia, how are you? You know, I can't complain. <laughs> well, I mean, you wouldn't be Lydia if that were not your response. I know, I know. <laughs> that's when I would know that someone else showed up today. Because I'm like, um, that's not the Lydia response. So right. what did you do with Lydia? <laughs> if I started off, first of all, no. <laughs> but actually, I'm good. I'm, I'm really good. Awesome. How about you? I'm great. You know, I'm great. And I am super excited about this episode because we have, we have, we had a great conversation with just this amazing woman, Eugenia Quete, who is the matriarch of Shea in West Africa, at least in Ghana and amongst the Global Shea Alliance, uh, starting off as one of the 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 presidents of the Global Shea Alliance for a number of years. She's been instrumental in the building of that organization and has been a mentor to so many 
um, people in the Shea space and has been a mentor to, you know, the people behind some of your favorite Shea brands. So it was just wonderful to have that conversation with Eugenia. So I met Eugenia, what, I guess two years now at the Global Shea Alliance Conference. And I was with Funlaya Lobby of um, Shea Radiance. And she was like, oh, Michelle, I have to introduce you to my mentor. And it was Eugenia. And she introduced me to Eugenia and said that I worked with the U.S. African Development Foundation, where I worked at the time. And Eugenia then says, oh, ADF. I love ADF. ADF was so instrumental in helping me with my business 10 years ago. And when I really needed funding, they came through. And the technical support and capacity building support that I got from ADF was like going through a little MBA, sort of teaching me how to run my business, you know, from a business perspective, moving away from just a livelihood activity. And she was saying all these things. And I'm like, I need to record this. I need to take this back to the office and have everyone hear how impactful or funding and her support had been to this woman and her business. And so I offered to Eugenia, like the next time you're in the US, and FYI, the Global Share Alliance Conference that where I met Eugenia was in Ghana, where she lives, I guess, what, half of the year? Um, she, uh, her business and her life is bicontinental between Ghana and the United States. And that year, Eugenia did come to, to the States and she was in Washington and she came by the office and she did a brown bag for people in the office to just really hear from her how instrumental our foundation and our funding was in helping her get her business to where it is today. And I'm not going to say too much, but when you listen to this episode, you will understand why the ADF funding was so instrumental to Eugenia and her business once you listen to her amazing story. This woman is a fighter. She has no quit in her. And I don't know anyone who is more deserving of succeeding and deserving of funding to sort of carry out her mission than this lady. And we hope that you will enjoy hearing her story as much as we enjoyed hearing her story. So without further ado, Lydia, do you have some thoughts before we jump in? Sure. No, my first interaction with Eugenia was again at the Global Shea Alliance uh, conference, maybe about maybe six or seven years ago now. And I just remember meeting her um, and she was the president at the time and just knowing that, you know, I stood straighter. I knew this was a woman who was incredibly intelligent, incredibly passionate and really, you know, supportive of the industry at all levels and could speak to the needs of uh, women cooperatives, to brands, suppliers. She just had insight into all of those different um, stakeholders. And I was just impressed and continue to be impressed we got to spend some time together recently just before um, our the great pause of the coronavirus. And I just, again, I, I've 
I fell in love with her then I fell in love with her now and just enjoy spending time with her and that's one of the great privileges of being able to do this show is being able to speak to people that I admire and respect so let's hear from her and we hope that when you hear her story you'll love her as much as we do Eugenia welcome to the show well hello thank you very much for the invitation I'm so happy to be part of this and to share my journey in in a way this project fits into my mission which is lifting as many women as as holistic as possible so i'm Wonderful. happy part of it yes very very pleased that we were able to get you on the show um, i remember meeting you for the first time and thinking you were such a tour de force i remember you grilling me about my commitment to women's empowerment and to women's social enterprise and business. And I really felt like I was, you know, on the spot. And so it's been great to follow your journey, your trajectory over the years. And, you know, you've become, you, you're such an inspiration to me. Um, so I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your personal journey and what has brought you to uh, this work and to your, you know, uh, to starting a business in this space? Okay, I'll be happy to do that. As um, you already mentioned, my name is Eugenia Quetta, and I'm the founder of Mother's Share Limited and chairwoman of NASACLE International. We are producers of both organic and conventional raw share butter for cosmetics. We also have two brands of finished product lines in the consumer retail space, and they're called Eugenia Share and Mother Share. We are a mother and daughter social entrepreneurs. I founded the company a couple of, uh, for two reasons, actually. First was my need to, have, to make a living to take care of my mother and myself. My mother was at that time 82 years old and blind. And uh, I felt like I need to take care of her to give her a better um, life at the end of you know her life. She had been my rock and inspiration all my life. And so I felt really obligated to do this for her. I came from a family of entrepreneurs. Both parents were successful entrepreneurs. Stepping into um, this space or journey was not as intimidating to me as many people that start. The second one, the second reason is uh, my passion and drive to change a culture and traditions that creates inequality and gender biases, which I experienced growing up. My experience is growing up in Ghana, where at that time women are discriminated against in the area of education, ownership of landed property, and are basically controlled by their husbands to the point that They, even when I, as educated as I was then, I didn't have my 
name on any property that we acquired during 26 years of marriage. Everything was in my husband's name. Mm. So when we, when we, we got divorced 26 years later, all I had to my name was the equivalent of 30 US dollars. I was very, very angry at the culture that I felt had robbed me of my hard work and was determined to help other women avoid going through my experience. I figured by showing them how to do, how to do something that would give them economical independence, they'll be able to stand their ground against some of the traditions that make them vulnerable. I had a plan and was ready to go to work to correct this inequality. I identified marginalized women populations to work with. The share industry fitted in my plan to a T. It was predominantly a women's industry. The women are very poor with very high illiteracy levels. I had my war plan and a chest, a war chest of $30. I was going to rebuild my life and in the process change and impact the lives of as many women that I can. Looking back now, I realized I was naive in thinking that I can start a revolution with $30, but at that time, my passion won the day. I was ready. I went to the market and bought three calabashes of what I thought was good share butter. I picked the butter by sight. They looked clean, so I guess I felt, you know, it was quality share butter. I found out later that it wasn't there. I came back and repackaged and marketed. Sales from this first effort was encouraging. I doubled my seed money. Within 18 months, I had increased my seed money to 2,000 US dollars. That is when I realized I was onto something and will be able to help move forward my mission to help other marginalized women. The next thing was I researched the product, attended workshops to learn more about Shevata, and then incorporated a company. I worked on improving quality of the products and decided to go into processing myself to enable me control the quality. I had a very tight budget, and so I watched every penny. For the first three years, of growing my business, I shared a room with my mom sleeping on the same bed so that I'd be able to put all my resources into growing the company. Within five years, I have perfected the traditional method of processing share butter and had designed and had and had the designed equipment fabricated locally for me to help in the processing. I had the design and fabrication done in Ghana locally because of the cost of purchasing and importing more sophisticated machines. I just didn't have the resources for that. 
And the machines that I was able to design and had fabricated for me helped increase productivity. It also helped produce good quality share butter. And the best for me was that it reduced the backbreaking traditional methods processing methods of processing share butter. So the women are able to produce quality share butter productively, but with less, less fatigue. I set up shop in an uncompleted abandoned building with no roof and started working. I was growing, but confined by challenges, mostly funding challenges. In 2008, the culture which I've been trying to fight against reared its head. The men in the community that I set up shop felt I was getting too powerful and set fire to my operation. Oh, wow. Mm. I saw everything I had. I had worked for for five years go up in flames. I was so deflated and for six months did nothing but pray to God for direction to figure out the way forward. God answered my prayers. How did he do that? He did that by out of the blue, I got a call from the USADF office in Accra asking if I- What is USADF, Eugene? Sorry? What is USADF? USADF is uh, the United States Af United States African Development Foundation, which is uh, a U.S. Congress uh, initiative for helping um, minorities, women, marginalized populations in Africa, and. Um, as a, How did they help you? As a result of that, I got funding and financial and technical support from the USADF. This is a break I had been praying for. I was able to relocate to Damango, the share country where the share nut trees grow. I was able to have my own decent facility to process from. I then started the phase two of my plan. I organized the women into cooperatives, trained them, and we started processing quality share butter. We were all excited, but within a few months of starting in Damango, the ugly head of culture reared itself again. The husbands of the women asked me to pay the wages of the women to them instead of the women. On payday, they will come and sign for their wives. I refuse flatly that, you know, I only pay the person who works. And, not and what was the reason for that, Eugenia? What was the reason that they gave you? They, they gave me a reason that the women are illiterate and cannot sign 
And so they can come and sign so that they'll receive the money on their behalf. Mm. And having grown, you know, having been raised in that kind of cultural environment, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And then they threatened to run me out of their community. Unfortunately for me, the women by this time have bought into my mission. And they excited about their own, making their own money and they supported me. And so I stayed. We were then producing premium share butter, creating a buzz, because before then, most share butter from the continent was not clean and it has an order that had been associated. I mean, it gave share butter a bad name. It was the, that order had been associated with share butter for the longest time. Yeah, I think all of us have had that experience. But with uh, the processing method that we used and the quality control that I introduced through the processing, we came up with the quality share butter that defies that other problem. So we have good quality share butter that doesn't smell bad. And that really helped us in, you know, in getting our customers. With us being able to do that, increase our production, I turned to the internet to market the products. And what I did was ask, you know, research potential um, customers, send them emails, offering them free samples of our share butter, knowing that as soon as they, they're able to get hold of the sample and use it, they'll start ordering. And that strategy worked for us. But with increasing orders, there is a the problem of and challenge of funding too. We needed to purchase nuts and pay for our costs to produce and fill orders. The turnaround time was 90 days. We needed to reduce it, but funding was a challenge. I was not able to get loans from formal or informal lending sectors because of the culture and traditions that I've mentioned earlier. I will need a husband to sign loan documents on my behalf. Even though I've been divorced by that time for like 10 years. Even though my house is being, I, I, I was offering my house as collateral and I had a track record working with USADF, the bank still wanted the signature of a husband. I was, I was rejected by two banks. And the interesting thing is, before the US ADF grant 
finish processing for us to get the funding. The country manager, the then country manager in Ghana took me and the project officer to one of the big banks to see if they can grant us a bridging loan pending the disbursement of the grant. And to our surprise, they refused. They, it was okay for them to open an account for us to receive the inflow, but not okay for them to give us a bridging loan. And we all walked out of that office that day thinking to ourselves, wow, this is ridiculous. But that is the culture. That is what is in people's minds and there's nothing one can do about it. Now, um, at that time, maybe it was a good thing they didn't even give us the loan because at the interest rates of 28%, there was no way we could produce anything and turn a profit with that. So it worked out well for us. We waited. I mean, it's a pain to wait when you have orders to do and you need to work, but we waited. After 12 years in operation and two years after receiving funding from the USADF, we got a small loan from the same bank that two years earlier wouldn't give us a bridging, a bridging loan. And it was a loan for $10,000 to operate. But the other way we also tried to solve our funding challenges was to ask our customers to pay between 20% to 50% of their order upfront when they place the order. And most of them obliged. We lost two big customers as a result of that. But that was okay. And then there was um, a guy who, one of my customers, who even agreed to pay 100% on order. I'm still grateful for him. And 15 years later, he remains my favorite customer. To summarize um, our sources of funding during that period, the first was my own seed money, all of the $30. And then plying back profits. The grant from USADF made a huge impact. And then the small loan from EcoBank. How much was the amount of the grant that you received? We received a $100,000 grant, which was to help us um, put systems in place to be able to run um, the company. Example is giving us uh, an accounting system and payment, pay, pay a salary for an accountant for a year so that our record keeping will be on point and we'll be able to monitor everything that's going into 
production and tracker expenses and costs so we'll be able to come up with the real picture and not just be walking in the darkness and hoping we'll make a profit. Um, and do you think that those systems helped you to then leverage financing through the bank, having those systems yes. in place? Later on, as we, in fact, in order for us to get that small $10,000 loan, we had to present uh, audited <laughs> financials at that point. So it was very helpful. It was also very helpful for management decisions because it gives me it gave me a better idea as to how we're doing. Um, some of the money also went into a lot of capacity building training for the women in quality control, safety, environmental issues, and um, sanitation. Those are the things that the grant help us put in place and the capacity that it's built in us so that we know what we're doing. It also offered us, uh, the technical aspect was, it offered us um, an accounting firm as a consultant that we were able to um, talk to about issues we were facing and they given us feedback regarding how we need to proceed with whatever issues we were getting. So you talked about um, their funding challenges, Eugenia. You've talked about the uh, challenges that sometimes culture brings. And I wanted to sort of turn the uh, conversation into, you know, your relationship with family and the fact that you now are working, collaborate, partner, and are, are in business with your daughter and just... If you could tell us what that is like and what it feels like and, and how you feel it benefits both your personal and professional relationship. Okay. Well, um, in 2013, I was diagnosed with cancer. A year after surgery and chemo, I contracted meningitis while traveling in Diamango area, organizing training for the women. And I was in a coma for 10 days. I came out of the coma having lost my memory, speech, and ability to walk. My daughter stepped in to take over, and we became a mother and daughter duo. She infused her own money into the business and started the brands. She is the brain behind all two brands that we have currently. And she has taken the company to the next level, and we have grown rapidly since she took over in 2015. We have a, an interesting working relationship. 
<laughs> As mothers and daughters tend to have interesting relationships, and then when you add business to the mix, I can only imagine. And the word interesting is always so loaded. <laughs> we spent so much time together. I think at some point she was like, she she took on my passion and she she was talking share about her every 24-7, <laughs> according to her husband. <laughs> you can't be around me without talking share about her. <laughs> so um, she, in, actually, in the beginning, the relationship was kind of fluid. I help her to get to know the industry and she took it and ran with it. And now I help and fill in the gap when she needs me because between she and myself, we are the only you know, people running the company, more or less. And it's not because um, we, we want to do it that way, but it's because we couldn't afford to bring in other um, staff levels that we need in order to advance. And um, so anytime I can step in and help her, I do. Or if she needs help, she'll ask. I initially was doing a lot of the production when we started especially with the Eugenia Share brand. She did all the PR, the record keeping, the paperwork, you know, the whole nine yards. But now um, I feel a lot better health-wise and I'm beginning to get back into helping her more. And so um, I feel like going forward, I'll be more involved to give her the time and space to be able to do the marketing and the PR stuff and, you know, so that we'll be able to see the growth better and I'll be trying to spend a lot more time in Ghana to take care of what is going on there. And between talking to each other and emailing and WhatsApp and all that, we've been able to deal with um, issues that had cropped up over the past five years. Well, Eugenia, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's one of resilience mm -hmm. from starting the business out of a need to take care of your mother and then having to deal with a divorce and sort of starting over with a war chest of all of $30. <laughs> then growing that to what seemed like a successful business at that time, then having that taken away with the fire and the destruction of your business. So it's a story of lots of mm -hmm. highs and lows and then overcoming 
the situation with the fire to the business and then years later, stage four cancer. And then a year later, meningitis, a coma. And here you are still standing, thriving, thriving. Kudos to you. A wonderful story. If this is not a story of resilience, mm. I do not know what is. And we just want to thank you so much for joining us. And we're looking forward to speaking to your daughter in part two of this episode um, to bridge the connection. And we just really love the intergenerational thread Absolutely. of this episode about how you started the business and how your daughter joined you and the direction that she's taken in uh, the business to from where it is to new house. I am so grateful to all of you. You are our cheerleaders, especially Michelle, founder of this podcast platform. I've always believed in space in this industry for every entrepreneur. There is space in, in this industry for every entrepreneur who decides to come in and in line that I have tried to help mentor and share the information with some of the now successful sisters in this space. I believe their success is shared by me too, and together we can lift ourselves and the less fortunate sisters in the world. We owe it to ourselves to do that. And um, I will leave you all to this evening and um, when you talk to my daughter, hopefully she will fill in for you know all the stuff that I've missed and as she shares her own journey. I thank you all very much, Shani. You did. Thank, thank you so, you so much. Care. Take care. So what I love about speaking to Eugenia um, and hearing her story and the story of her family the, the theme and the word that comes to mind is resilience. Um, resilience of mind, of spirit, of, you know, having setbacks happen and just to keep going and to hear her talk about her health challenges, the challenges of creating something for the community and some and the backlash that sometimes can be part of that. And to know that not only is she still here and still uh, working, but is thriving is, is a testament to that resilience. And having had the pleasure of uh, visiting her processing plant in northern Ghana and meeting the amazing women that she inspires every day, you know, I think the future of Africa and global business is um can learn a lot from people like eugenia yeah and i love how much of an advocate she is for women and women's economic empowerment and i think what consumers in particular need to understand about when they support brands like eugenia's which is um eugenia shea and the mother shea lines which are found in target and in other clean beauty retailers, check the show notes for all the places where you can find their products, is that when they win, and when I say they, I mean Eugenia and her daughter, 
and her daughter will be interviewed in an upcoming show. And I just also, I like the intergenerational aspect of the business, Eugenia starting it off and then handing the baton onto her daughter to sort of run it to the finish line. You know, I'm Jamaican, so I use a lot of relay analogies. <laughs> so, And I just really appreciate that and how when when they win, their supply chain wins. All those women, not pickers and processors who work in their supply chain are doing better because they're doing better. And I don't know that we can necessarily say that for a lot of the brands and businesses that are out there that we're giving our money to, that they're taking care of their supply chain in the way that some of these you know, independent beauty brands are doing because they see their supply chain not as just these people far away on the other side, but as family. Yeah. Their aunties and sisters, they are family. And they're not just in business for themselves. They're in business to change a whole community and to re-engineer an entire industry. And if for people who use Shea and Shea products, if you can remember where Shea started from, Lydia, do you remember those hard as rocks fall smelling um, Shea products that used to be on the market back in the day? I do. And I'm looking at that. the evolution to where that is now. And I think Eugenia and the Global Shea Alliance is behind a lot of that. And just understanding that when those organizations, when those businesses grow, they are taking whole communities along with them and changing lives. They're paying their supply chain, sustainable wages, providing those women with access to health insurance. And those changes in the lives of those women lead to changes in the lives of their children. So they're creating generational changes. And I feel incredibly fortunate that ADF was there to help Eugenia at her startup journey and that we were able to help her again at her scale and growth journey. 10 years later, so 10 years apart, when ADF provided the first $100,000 grant after the fire and Eugenia had to start her business all over again. After meeting Eugenia about two years ago, we were able to give her another $250,000 grant that she had earned, you know, because the way we do our funding, you can graduate. And the only reason why she didn't get that um, follow-on funding was because we had closed our program in Ghana. And I felt incredibly blessed to be the one to make that happen for her, to make sure that they got that funding that they need Again, at another critical time when they were about to launch in 900 Target stores to make sure that they had funding to buy enough Shaynafs so that they could produce year round, which is the first time they'd ever in over 10 years of the business ever been able to produce year round and keep those women employed year round to create enough butter to meet the demand of being on shelves in over 900 Target stores, plus all the other retail retail locations where you can find their products. So just me personally feeling just quite blessed to even be connected with such an awesome woman and an awesome uh, business and awesome brands that are putting out quality products, 
people that also really care about their supply chain. Yeah, I think it it means a lot when you when you buy a product and you know that you are having that type of effect and you're building a long-term relationship with a brand that is building a long-term relationship with the community and the women who put so much love and energy and passion into the work that they do. And to see that firsthand is really a testament to her leadership and the leadership of NAR and and the leadership of that family. So just really glad to be able to spotlight and showcase this amazing brand and again, this amazing family. So the next time you buy Shea Butter products, think about who's benefiting from your dollars. So, all right, make sure you tune in and we will be releasing an episode soon featuring Eugenia's daughter, Nasa Clay. So make sure you tune in for that episode as well. So be sure to listen, like, rate, review, all that good stuff. And we'll see you next time. Thanks.